Hey, what's up, gang? I'm your host, Coach Joe Strong. I'm here with my business partner, Dan Goodman, and we got a special guest for you today. We got our own head strength and conditioning coach, Big Mike Capriglione, with us today. So this episode is going to be awesome. We're, we're basically breaking down how over the last, you know, 10 years or so, we've created the ultimate training experience and just kind of created a culture uh, centered around uh, athletic performance and weight training. And uh, we're going to discuss, you know, how, you know, in, in 2006, when, when we started Varsity House, that, you know, weight training and, you know, conjugate methodology, you know, even like guys like Joe DeFranco and Jay Ferrugi and guys like that doing the warehouse style thing was not common. There was only a few of us doing it back then in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, uh, you know, the heavy, heavy reliance on speed schools and things like that. So we're going to kind of break it down, show you how we, you know, broke through the, the, the status quo and uh, created a culture that's centered around, you know, developing athletes and, and developing a culture in our gym. And that has since, you know, transcended to, you know, uh, one of the top facilities in the country. And uh, we're going we're gonna to show you how we did it. And it would be awesome to have Big Mike on. Big Mike shares his insight you know, as he's been with us since, since the beginning and kind of how the culture started, how the, what, what's progressed over the years, what we've changed, some of the big ticket items, how we you know, segregate and individualize our programs, you know, tracking and monitoring, and you know, what were some of the things we were doing back in the early days versus what we're doing now and uh, you know, where the training program is going. And all, all that in mind, with creating an, an amazing experience for the athletes and, and clients who train here. Uh, you know, all, all your X's and O's and everything are great and super, super important, but, uh, but making sure that the clients, you know, buy in and have an awesome vibe and awesome training experience and love coming to train and, and want to be here is equally as important, if not more. And uh, we're going to show you how we did it today. So let's talk about some of our awesome sponsors. At, let's talk about the business of strength. Do you want to turn your passion into a real profession and take your passion for strength and conditioning, running a gym business, and, and take 20 years of knowledge, expertise, mistakes, successes, and everything in between and cram it into a two-day mentorship, what would you pay for that? I think that's worth, you know, it's worth, it, it, was worth, it was worth 20 years of time, effort, and intensity, but for a fraction of the cost, you can come for a two-day workshop and learn how Dan and I and the rest of the crew here at Varsity House transformed a tiny little shitty garage gym with, you know, no heat, no AC, no fans, barely any equipment, into a world-class training facility. You can go to strengthentrepreneurs.com, register for one of those mentorships today. We have one coming up next week. That's our last one of 2018. That's going to be next Thursday and Friday, uh, December 6th and 7th. And then we have one more on the calendar in Glasgow, uh, Scotland, and that's going to be in the middle of January. And uh, we hope to see everybody there. You can go to strengthentrepreneurs.com. Hey, this episode is sponsored by the Tread Sled, the world's first and only non-motorized sports performance treadmill. Develop speed, power, and conditioning year-round on one machine. This thing is awesome. As I've said before, we have used the Tread Sled here for over a decade. The original version it was, you know, built for heavy weight training and and kind of power walking with a sled, kind of mimic that power walking with a sled, and we tweaked it. We tooled it, we made it bigger, we made it faster, and we, we, we made it with sports performance in mind. So now you can use it as almost like a, a sprinting machine for running, and it mimics kind of running up a hill, 
And if you turn around the other way and use it, it you still get that great uh, uh, belted sled walk action. So it combines two of the most effective ways for developing athlete speed and performance by developing the hamstring and posterior chain through sled walking and, and, and hill sprinting. Uh, and, and we got the we got the data and the athletes to prove it. So you can check that out at treadsled.com. And uh, they are live and ready for sale right now. And uh, they are flying off the shelves, folks. Get yourself one of those. And last but not least, do you want to become unstoppable? Become the best version of yourself, right? Well, go to varsityhousegym.com and check out all our online programs. If you live in the local area, if you, if you want to get uh, uh, in the best shape of your life and become a super badass MF, right, get your butt over here to Varsity House Gym in Orangeburg, New York. Check us out. Check out our programs. Come meet Big Mike in the flesh. Lift some big weights. Throw around some kegs and logs with Mike. And uh, have yourself a time here. we got some of the best coaches, uh, uh, clients, and community in the gym business. So we'd love to see you. We'd love to meet you. Drop us a line at info at varsityhousegym.com. Any questions or comments are always appreciated. And as always, please, please, please take the time to leave us a five-star iTunes review. It really helps us get noticed on, on, on iTunes and on Google search and such. So we really appreciate that. And thanks for everybody who's left a five-star review. We appreciate that very, very much. And uh, let's take it away, guys. Welcome to the Business of Strength, powered by Varsity House Gym, the podcast for strength entrepreneurs. Today, guys, we really want to just kind of start from the beginning and, and kind of take everybody through um, what has become, you know, our training philosophy and experience now. Um, but uh, it didn't start out like what you see now. When athletes walk through the door now at Varsity House, um, you know, it's a very different experience than when athletes walk through the door in 2006 at, at my garage gym or in 2009 when the three of us uh, and four of us with Trevor here uh, uh, started the second variation of Varsity House. Uh, very different thing. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll start, obviously, since, I mean, Dan, you, you were there with me in 2006 when we were in the in the garage. And, uh, you know, I don't know, what, what was your take on things there? Like, you know, Tell me, I mean, as an athlete who obviously has transcended to my business partner, and kind of we have a unique relationship because of that. But but you know, tell me what like what was your first impression when you walked in the gym, and what were some of the things that kind of popped into your head, and how did you first hear about the gym, and how did so, it all come around? So I think I mentioned it on one of the earliest podcasts we had, but when I was training, uh, I was training at a. You know, we're going to get to talking about speed schools, but I was training at a speed school. I knew that uh, I needed something more. Uh, I had played my first two years of college football at that point, and uh, I needed to get stronger. So I had a uh, a mutual friend, Chris Keneally, that had been training with you, and he said, "Hey, you got to come check out this guy. You know, it's uh, it's awesome, strongman type training, conjugate type training." I really had no idea what that even meant, but it sounded like something that I needed. So I remember um, I was Google searching. I was like. Joe Riggio and Joe DeFranco's popping up and like DeFranco's <laughs> gym. I'm like, no, that's, you know, that, that looks awesome, but I'm pretty sure that's not the guy I'm looking for. So I just, uh, Google searched your name, found the gym. I think at the time the, the logo was done, but on the brochure, it was like a stick figure of yeah, like yeah, an yeah. athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. I called the gym and, uh, you picked up and I said, Hey, uh, do you, do you do sports training there? He said, yeah. I was like, all right, well, are we going to flip tires and swing sledgehammers? They're like, yeah, if that's what you want to do. I said, sure. And then, uh, went down with Chris and John Tringali and Jared was there and, uh, went for a session, walked in obviously. And, um, 
I had never seen a gym like that before, which to me was the attractive part about it. I knew the, that it had to be something special if it's something that I had never seen before, and that's what kind of what I was looking for. And, uh, you know, you could say the rest is kind of history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll give you a little bit about – I know, and Mike, did you ever come up to the – were you ever at the garage? I thought you were once. Yeah, we moved. right before we made the uh, transition to – 2009 transition over to Old Japan, yeah. I, uh, I came up for just um, – just for like a, at night, just for a couple hours just to check it out. Mm-hmm. I met some of the athletes at the time, like uh, Cole Sar and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, so I was up there definitely, uh, definitely for a little bit, and then literally the next week or two, I think we. Speaking of Cole Sar, I saw Roy the other day. Uh, he, he was overlated to see us, to, and he said nothing but the nicest things. He was, it was a funny, a funny experience. Yeah, crazy. Now Chris is yeah. now the head coach oh, of Pal Park. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Spencer Spencer's was working there. on Merrill. He's, I think he's working in finance, working for Merrill Lynch. Graduated Penn, you know. Yep. And, uh, and JJ's finishing school, so it's crazy, right? It's amazing how, how how the athletes. You know, I wish I wish I wish I had like a photo time memory, but yeah, yeah, time of all the kids because it's unbelievable how many kids have come it's through the gym. But like, so like you know, I mean, Mike, you were you were maybe come from a little bit of a different system than Dan because you know Dan was training at like a you know a multi million dollar speed school. You know, I mean, I, we're not throwing them under the bus, but Preci Speed School is a great brand. It's a great name. They've done a lot of great for the. The industry they they created the speed speed craze speed school craze. Try getting that out a couple times. Yeah, and uh, they gave me my first training job. Too, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm forever for, forever yeah. grateful for that. You were the warm up and cool down specialist, I think. Right <laughs> front, de- I went front desk to uh, they they made they allocated me the front desk for about a year, and then I was oh, uh, I was able to become the cool down coach. Oh, oh sweet! Does that mean you like gave dudes like spritzers and like wiped them down with a cold towel and shit? Yeah, <laughs> a little, little bit like that. <laughs> I need a pat over here. Got to get a pat. I got some serious swamp over here, buddy. <laughs> so, like Mike, I mean, you were kind of you were used to training in a, in a shithole. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty you know, much. you know, for those that don't know, Mike was basically training out of his buddy Tommy's garage for a whole bunch of years. So, and uh, and you trained as strong and shapely, which was a beautiful gym at one point, but became like a a wild and crazy place. You know, yeah. Twenty years later, the Unusy Spa, the Day Spa, the Unusy Day Spa. So. So I, I don't think Mike was as like shocked as Dan when Dan walked in and kind of saw like a real a real garage a real warehouse gym for the first time. He was used to like you know the juice bars and things like that a little bit more kind of along the what, I mean, was, what was mainstream. I mean even even for myself like I besides training that strong and shapely, you're still going to a public gym, yep. and uh, it's still a different environment. You know, yeah, than sure. going into like a you know a garage style type warehouse type gym. So it was still it was still definitely uh, definitely different for me too. Just yeah, in, yeah. Just in terms of seeing it. So I mean, so like I, I'll give you my philosophy and what. He, so I I, di- I didn't know anything about training. I, uh, not training. I didn't know anything about business. Right. The only thing I knew was training, and and I, I considered myself always considered myself a really well read and kind of well versed person. I read a ton. I, I immersed myself, surrounded myself with a lot of good people. And 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 I had the you know the fortunate you know the fortune of, you know training at some pretty cool gyms and you know went to Westside Barbell went to Joe DeFranco's place a couple times, and, and before I opened my gym and I had been to some other warehouse gyms and you know and with some other ground and the one thing I I knew from sports and you know from what I saw was the atmosphere and the culture, pretty much dictated everything. So like if I could create an atmosphere and a culture of hard work. Then, 
n- nothing else really matters. Everything else is just yeah. kind of falls in place, right? So when I went to Westside Barbell, and 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 so, and it was like literally the loudest, most obnoxious music ever, which is great. You know, it was a lot of rap, a lot of like Tupac and like heavy metal, whatever it was. But just a bunch of gorillas getting after it, right? Weights everywhere, you know. And, and you know, and we trained at the original Elite FTS compound too when I was out there. And, and, and the same thing, you know. It, it was a look, it was a feel, it was pictures of the athletes, it was the style of equipment that they had. It was. You know, I, I, I only had a dumbbell rack up to 100 pounds in my first place, but, like, it was dumbbells up to 200 pounds at these places. You know, like, wild and crazy, you know? And it was, under, it was hard to deny how all of those, t- like, seemingly, if they were independent factors, they wouldn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. But when you put them all together and you have, you know, A-plus equipment, you got some badass tunes on the radio... Right, you got a chalk ball and chalk flying, and and like and and yeah. dudes nose torquing and getting okay. after it, um, that it created some type that like a unique atmosphere, and, and and I said, well, you know, well, there's a guy with his, you know, literally inhaling out of an out of, out of an ammonia bottle, um, with his eyes bloodshot and his nose bleeding. I can't go that far, like because. Parents aren't going to want to drop their kids off for that, right? <laughs> you know, and then like you know, coming from health clubs and things like that, I was like, well, I don't want to go there because that's like you know, that's exactly what everybody hates, and yeah. you can't get results in in a place like that. So it was like I had to try and find like a happy medium. So and obviously, you guys know my situation there. I was sharing the space with another person, so I was kind of handcuffed with how far I could take things. And so, so in my head, it was like, look, let me get some really good equipment. Uh, let me start creating an atmosphere. Uh, let me start like really, you know, being a real coach and mentor. And that was really my main thing. Is like, look, if I if I can, if I have a good place to train and I got all the intangibles for training, but I can really help mentor kids, that's gonna be my ha- that's gonna be the hat that I have. Yeah, it's the relationship, you know? that yeah. Built with the kids. It's exactly. also the coaching too. Like the one thing I, I remember vividly thinking back to to the coaching and 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 where I, you know I trained at a multitude of different places like speed school type places before that in and around the area. And the difference is, is that when I went in to train with you, it allowed me to, I didn't have to think about what I needed to do when I was there. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a workout either. Like it's very obvious when you show up to a place, it's like, yeah, you can drop in for any one of these classes at any time. And you go in, you leave sweaty, and you leave feeling accomplished, and you are definitely getting better. But it it wasn't it wasn't individualized to what I needed. There wasn't yeah. a real yeah. assessment to say, okay, your hips are weak, your lower back's weak, you have no hamstring strength. Like that didn't happen, you know. So when I went to you, I remember I having was, that exact conversation with you. <laughs> I had never deadlifted before ever, yeah. you know. And so I started going in. I was like, man, okay, you're going to do my percentages. You're going to do my. You're going to pick my weights and. It allowed me to show up to a place and say, you know, I'm here. I'm willing to do whatever the hell, heck I need to do for two hours, five days a week. Let's fucking do it, you know. And it wasn't about like, okay, well, you know, here's my schedule at, at, at a speed school and I can go on any which date. There was no accountability on yeah. my end but also on the coach's end like how hard is it to get an athlete and say okay we're going to warm up you're going to run 10 sprints and you're going to finish with some glute ham raises and see you later like it's just too easy to do that i mean my vision for the gym has always been to have world-class coaching i i knew that 
from every place that I had worked at that the missing link was people that actually coached, tracked numbers, created a plan, prog- reg- progressions and regressions, and had like an end goal in sight. It didn't matter if they were an athlete, if they were 12 or 18, or they were a housewife or, or you know, a business person just looking to get it. Having some type of goal. I don't care if it's whatever. It could be anything. It could be to do 10 push-ups. It doesn't matter. But having some type of end goal in sight is is a requirement for achieving a goal, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a difference between working out and just training. Right. You know, your training is way more fun than just working out. Yeah. You know, so. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and, and from that, you know, I started coaching kids, and I think that's what really stood out as the difference. And then when you guys came in and and, and we started the next version of Varsity House, I think that was probably the, the most paramount difference between us and all the other... Uh, 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 facilities that have since come and gone over the years was that they were like hangouts and the coaches were like hanging out on their phones and they were talking and it was like yeah there was a workout on the board and it's like yeah kind of they'd facilitate but like we were coaching kids we were breaking kids down in this business you you can you can fake the marketing you can have great email marketing you could do all that crap you could have great social media but you cannot fake the client interactions forever you might be able to do it for a summer. You might be able to do it for a year. You cannot do that for five years. This business is too hard, and people can see right through the bullshit. If it looks like you are counting your time or counting your dollars, people will go someplace else. They don't need you. You know, there's plenty of good coaches, and that's the biggest thing when we get people in the business of strength. This is not the business to be in if you think it's going to be easy. No, not at all. No, and especially if you want to be a coach and you like coaching, you take pride in coaching too. So it's like in my case, like look at how uh, obviously my role has transcended over the years, but I would rather take less people and coach them better, you know what I mean, and be totally dialed in. And I'd rather have 10 sessions a week that I facilitate awesome than than have 20 to 30 sessions that I'm I'm giving a half-ass effort to. You mean your value increases because, I mean, like any business, it's supply and demand. If... You know, we just recently talked about this among whoops amongst our whole staff whoa, 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 is that yeah hey now is <laughs> that if you are going to do ten sessions and you're ten for ten and you don't have any more room well then when the next space opens up you'll be able to charge more for your hour because you're more valuable you're more highly sought after yeah so like I know I know I know Dan you've talked about this a few times but like you know in two thousand six when the gym was started you know. Most of what was going on, CrossFit hadn't really taken off yet. There was barely anything. There was barely anything going on there. Um, Jim Jones, Mike was just something that was kind of still like an underground thing and wasn't really a yeah. big name yet. They no had just really kind of come out with the three hundred, yeah, yeah. So um, they were just catching some fire. Most of what was going on was, um, you know, like Parisi Speed School was like the name in sports performance. Yeah. There really wasn't. And almost every person to a T, and you guys could definitely attest to this, almost every person to a T, you know, would call the gym, hey, do you guys run speed classes? And remember I wrote that article, Stop Calling yeah. for Speed <laughs> Classes? Like, you know, and it was so... And I, we still get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still do. Because, you know, Parisi's did a phenomenal job at branding the need for proper technical speed instruction, and there is absolutely a need for that for sure. But they left out one massive component. You got you got to do some strength training too. So, which I think they they definitely they do. do, but they didn't 
marketed. It wasn't prior. Right, that wasn't priority. the thing. Yeah, it wasn't a priority. They knew if they can get you know twenty kids into a speed class, that you know that was an easy sell. Well, it's the volume. I mean, if you get yeah. twenty kids paying twenty five or thirty dollars per yeah. session or more. You're going to make a lot of money. And look, and I'm not knocking Bill or any of the Parisi people. Some great, great coaches have come out of there, Bill oh, yeah. being one of them, Martin Rooney. Rooney, Joe DeFranco. Joe DeFranco was one of the original you know, uh, head performance coaches at the preseason. I mean, the, uh, Rich uh, yeah. Sadiv, right? Yeah. Sadiv, he's, yeah. uh, he's a major, you know, he's a big-time big weightlifter. Time. So, like the, the, so what happened back in the day was, though, you know, coaching athletes with weights is hard. And coaching and, and you can't coach twenty kids with one coach with weights. You can't coach 20, 12, 13, 14 year olds with weights. No. You know what I mean? So it's like five to maybe six, seven kids tops with one coach when you're lifting weights. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, obviously that became something that like parents were coming in and we were telling them, no, 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 our program, it's a performance program, it's weights, it's speed, it's it's plyometrics, core training, flexibility, mobility. And here's how we break down a workout. They're like, oh, well, you know, should he be lifting weights? And I said, well, we're not, I'm not, you know, I had, you had to explain it to yeah. every parent. Like, well, I'm not crushing them with 400 pounds. I mean, to the guy today that signed up today, you know, you're not going to lift any heavy weights, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your 12-year-old's going to come in. We're going to throw 400 pounds <laughs> on the bar. Get it. You know, so. And, uh, well, you know, not to cut you off. No, go ahead. But what's funny about that is that, uh, you know, a lot of those individuals who ask about whether or not their kid is going to be pounding weights, pounding weights, or something like that, they also sometimes have their child playing in three, four different leagues at a time. And mm-hmm. a majority of the time is playing in all those leagues, and that is more of poundage on the body because there's no foundation built in, yeah. the, in the kid as, as much. So you're asking the kid to uh, play all these games, cut, move, run, jump, and that's where you see a lot of like stress fractures and stuff like that happen. So... I think um, it was always kind of a hard explanation to explain to them that they actually have to dial that down. Right, or take bit. it off season. Take it a little bit yeah. off season, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, but so in terms of, of that, I think uh, when we transitioned to 2009, I think the ability to explain that a little bit better to them and let them understand that, I think that helped yeah. a lot in terms of our, you know, being able to just kind of run that a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, we always put out articles. I know we always worked really hard to educate the parents and create that culture centered around the weight training and the need for a a balanced, like, performance program. Mm -hmm. Also, too, like, let's call it what it is, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, you can come in here and marketing aside, we've had thousands at this point over the last 13 years, yeah. literally thousands of athletes come and go through the program and get great results. And they and, are... And knock on wood. Yeah. Almost yeah. no injuries. Of course, knock on wood, you know for I mean? sure. But either which way, those are, those are our walking advertisements. Somebody's experience, you know, Dean in the baseball program, his yeah. experience here is worth more than any Facebook advertisement. Of and if he's referring to a friend, that barrier's already pulled down it's like man like dean had a great high school career chris sabino had a great high school career i'm just using baseball players as an example where it's just like well they take the biggest they're the ones that are number one for playing too much so when you're when you're starting a business like when you were starting a business in 2006 2007 your track record was yeah you could have had a great education but who have you coached exactly you know like who have you coached in your own space i know you had been coaching before that yeah but now when you're speaking and selling to somebody you can make past references to former athletes where 
it worked, yeah. you know, and uh, when you can pass that along, it automatically builds credibility. We're not sitting here trying to sell our services with our neck on the line being like, oh, yeah, like we've never trained a baseball player. Or we've <laughs> never trained a football player. Like, look at the walls. I mean, there's yeah. hundreds of kids that have come and gone. Well, I remember, so before I opened up my own gym, you know, I was training at another place, you know, in a little further south in Bergen County also. And, um, you know, the owner there, I was, I was the director of performance, right? And the owner there um, had a connection to Tetafly High School. And I had an opportunity to train the Tetafly High School team. And when he said, like, what do you think you're going to do with them? I said, well, we have to close the gym down because we're going to need all the weights. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, either we have to bring weights into the performance room well, we have to close down the gym area because if you're going to bring in 20, he's like, well, aren't you just going to do some speed and agility work with us? Like, we got we got to lift some weights. And I literally had to convince the owner of another gym, like, no, dude, like this is a this is yeah. a high school football team, man. We got to lift weights. I think because it's easy, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was easy. like, well, can't you just do some med ball throws and <laughs> box jumps? I was like, yes, and those and that will be good, but. At some point, one or two of these kids might actually want to go play in college, and they're going to need to li know how to lift some yeah. weights. And I said, and and uh, and I, you could do all the box jumps and med ball throws and you know speed and sprints that you want, but half of these kids are just regular kids. They're not like freakazoids. They're not like you know. We're not talking like you know. Uh, 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 I don't know what, uh, what's his name. Who's who's the uh, Ram Hill sprints? I'm losing. You know, Herschel he's the Walker. MMA for Herschel. Yeah, uh, Herschel Walker, you know, where he just happens to be like an absolute freak of a human. That's like a dinosaur. No, no, none of these kids were like that. I'm like, if you want these kids to be savages, they got to lift some weights. Like, yeah. you know, otherwise they're going to get killed. And, uh, and I remember having to have like a sit down and he had to go talk to the coach. And like I had to have a sit down with the owner of the gym and the head coach of the football team and say, no, no, this is my plan. Like, we got to lift weights. Like, and they're like, well, what about the speed training? I was like, we're going to do speed training, but we're going to do a lift. We're going to do some sprints and jumps. We'll do a couple accessory lifts. It's like, oh, well, you're only going to do like 10 sprints? I was like, no, those are sprints. <laughs> I was like, I said, at the end, we'll condition as we get close. Yeah. I had to like explain how to train. I was like, holy shit, how do you own a gym? And this is only, what, 12 years? 12, yeah, it's what, not that long ago. ago. You know, this was 2000. Uh, that was 05? Yeah, oh, oh, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, 04, 04, 04, 04 I mean, 05. back then, like kids training like that kind of style in terms of weight training and stuff like that was like a harder like it, it it was like you know for kids like you had like you talked about john tringali and chris keneally and stuff like for them that's like kind of like that's what got them excited it's yeah. kind of like you know it's like new it's like you know because it was always like oh just go out there and run and stuff like that but now i feel like it there's a lot more of that so sure. now you, you have to do other things to make you special and make you stand out because now everyone's kind of yeah, realizes sure. that you well, have now to there's a warehouse training. gym on, in New Jersey. Yeah. There's a warehouse gym in like pizza places. Yeah. So like now everywhere. it's like, what do you do to separate yourself from all sure. that? That's kind of. So I remember, I remember getting that coat. I remember getting the team in for their first session, right? And I, I remember the workout like it was yesterday. So I, they didn't have any. They, didn't, they only had one squat rack, right? So obviously I couldn't squat with it. To, with it like I had like, I want to say I had about 15 kids. It was like the whole varsity team, right? So I brought weights out into the speed room that they had. They had this small little speed room that also doubled as a spinning room, right? But whatever. It was a nice place and, and, and got me kind of going in that direction a little bit more, in the area at least. You know, I'd already been coaching and working for some other places before that, but in the area, starting to build my, my own personal brand in a sense. And I don't know if I did a good job the first session, but 
So we bring him in, and we're gonna. I, I know we can deadlift, so we're gonna deadlift. We're gonna do a box jump, and we're gonna do some sprints, right? And not in the, not all in a row. We're gonna deadlift, then we're gonna box jump, and then we're gonna sprint, right? And then we're gonna do some posterior chain. I remember we do some sled pulls and some like some single leg cone touches and things like that, right? And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work the kids up pretty hard. It's my first day. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna give them a good session. We're gonna do I'm gonna do like a little mini testing day. So we're gonna work test the deadlift, and we're gonna do like a ten to two, like ten eight six four two, and work up to like a relative double, right? I remember seeing the look in people's faces that these kids were like gonna lift like real weight, like two hundred pounds. You know, there was a couple kids that were strong. Remember the Brunos? You remember the Brunos? Yeah. They came up to train with me. They left that program and left that facility to come train with me because they were like, uh, "Yeah, if I want to go play in college, I gotta go do that, right?" <laughs> and um, Ryan and uh, Brendan, the the Mal- yeah Malins Malins, and they were good athletes. And um, and and I remember like just seeing the look of horror on people's faces when these kids were deadlifting and screaming and dropping the weights and shit. And the kids were fired up. Like, they were, like, high-fiving. This is awesome, right? And everybody's glad we broke it down. We had, like, a real breakdown. We started creating, like, a real culture. And got these kids buying it. And I'm, and I'm drilling it into them. Like, guys, trust me. The shortest, you know, distance between here and kicking ass in, in September is lifting weights. I said, you're going to get the most. I said, strength equals speed and power, right? And I said, trust me. And they were like, oh, yeah. I mean, because look, you tell a bunch of, like, I mean, I'm going to use you as the, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but you use like a typical football player like Dan. I mean, you know, Dan would lift all the weights in the fucking world when it came time to having to condition and shit. Like, no, no, nobody wants to run. You know what I mean? Dan would be hiding around the back of the building, hiding out by the dumpster, you know, with Tom Conroy (laughs) eating a fucking turkey sandwich and shit. You know, and uh, those laps around that building, man. Yo, remember the uh, I remember Dan having to bulk weight his his senior year of college and getting the uh, the the double chicken cheesesteaks every day. Remember that? Eat one on the way to the gym and another one on the way home. Burger King? No, 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 no. no. I would get I would hit up Petrillo's pretty hard. Uh Yeah, at least uh, it's not too bad. It's like an actual, yeah, Yeah, no, yeah. Petrillo's (laughs) is the 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 portions are Northville has all the good delis over there, yeah, some good, good, good delis in Northville. So, but like, you know, my point is, is that this culture didn't exist. Now we have coaches calling us. Yeah. Our kids got to get stronger. Our kids got to lift weights. Our kids got to do this. Yeah, the this, parents right? actually say, like, and the parents, they yeah. got to get stronger. Yes. So, you know, so as the culture started to shift, things started to shift. And I think one of the things that me, Dan, and Big Mike did really well, obviously with Trevor's help, creating a lot of the back-end literature and a lot of the videos and things that we, we, we showed our brand a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, at the uh, in the very early days, I was doing some really bush ass, you know, YouTube videos and things like that. But like, I had a website, I, I had a Facebook page, and it was all crap. But at least I was showing the brand and trying to create some tutorials and things like that, right? Um, but it and, was also different. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> with anything, we we talked about. This this time of the year, holiday time of year, is that we want to when everybody zigs, we want to zag in terms of everybody's asking for the sale. Ask, ask, ask. We're trying to provide value. Yeah, you know, we're trying to build trust. And back then, we knew what we were onto was working because we had the data to prove it, and it was way different. So we were just trying to document the difference between what we were doing and what everybody else was doing, and we weren't. Uh, afraid to 
put ourselves out there. Well, I mean, look, that year, Tenafly had one of the best seasons they've had, I think, since. And they, they, they had one or two well, – I think they only had one loss, and they went to state sectionals, right? And I left that facility to open up my own, and, you know, a bunch of the kids came with me. And, you know, when I opened up that first facility in the summer of 06, obviously Dan and yourself and, – and not you, Mike, but Dan and, and Keneally and some of the other kids that came with me that I was already training a little bit um, came. And, and, and Coach Dunn – you know, from Old Japan High School, caught wind and started sending and sent me some kids too. And I and really, you know, I, I credit him because you know he's still you know to this day a huge supporter of us and and, and everything we do here at Varsity House. And he's really been a great client uh, uh, and and friend in, in, over the last bunch of years. And I remember him coming over, you know, and Coach Dunn for him. He's a, a man of few words, and he's like, "Yeah, the kids need to lift weights." I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, our weight room stinks. Okay, no problem. He's like, when are you going to send him? How about tomorrow? You know, and that, and, and, and that was it, you know. And uh, I remember, you know, I, you remember Dan Shin? You remember little Dan Shin? Oh, I know I your brother Dan. remembers Dan remember Shin. Dan yeah, Shin. you remember Dan, right? Yeah. Kramer. Kramer and all the, that original crew. Yeah. Um, they He sends that. El Sharif. Yeah, they were like the seventh and eighth graders. So the Eagles program, the Raiders program. James. Yep, James. They, yep, they send those kids over. And. I told, I'm teaching those kids how to power clean. I'm teaching those kids how to flip tires. I, I taught Dan Shin. I remember I'm outside with Dan Shin. We're doing a keg cleaning press, right? With a, with a, you know, it was a 50-pound keg. Yeah. It wasn't heavy, but, like, very awkward and tough for a kid. You know, he was only 11, 12 years old at the time, you know. And I remember, like, the moms pulling in and the moms, like, looking at me like I had foreheads. Like, what the hell is this giant me head? doing with my kid you're gonna hurt him i you know well you know kevin you know uh, his mom oh, i thought his mom was gonna burn our gym down she came in screaming and yelling one day because kevin was throwing up outside and, kevin will be in today 2 yeah, 30 exactly <laughs> yeah exactly eight, so eight and a half years later exactly so and, and and now every time we see his family they're like dad joe you know what i mean they're like our best friends and it's like you know it just takes a little while for people to see like if if you if you if you got the right guys yeah. and you got good coaches and the intent is is true that if you allow me to teach your son or daughter how to do things properly and give me the time to to really be a coach and mentor they're not going to get hurt and and the benefits from a proper strength training program or performance program that combines strength speed performance you know plyometrics and things together is going to give you ten times, you know, the return on your investment than just going and running. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and and that was it. And, and that's that's kind of how it all got started. I'm going to let Big Mike kind of take this one over because he is. Uh, we make fun of him around here because he moves slower than a tortoise. Not when I'm on. Not when I'm sprinting. <laughs> but in terms of consistency, not when you're in the slot. Not yeah. when I'm in the slot. Oh God, slot <laughs> receiver, Belleville. I was semi pro. I actually was though. and a corner, <laughs> corner and a, and a wide receiver in high school. Wow! But in terms of consistency, um, I recently wrote an article about taking it slow and less is more. And um, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about that as to you know our philosophy from a training perspective on uh, just consistency over time? Um, I think you know one of the things that we're gonna that I would like to talk about from considering what you just asked me is is the ability to. Um, not rush 
like you just said with the athletes and taking the time with the athletes and learning who the athlete actually is and what you can do to help them personally and individually. Um, I think one of the most important things that we do here is being able to have like a certain coach and athlete relationship. Um, there's a lot of athletes that come through the door and although we know pretty much almost every athlete that comes through here. So say you just, let's just say you take me, Dan, Joe, and our, some of our other head coaches like Adam and Sean and stuff like that. And you take them and they pretty much, we all know who Sean's working with. We all know who Adam's working with, but the ability to create a relationship with each one of those kids. So, you know, um, for example, you know, I know that like this summer, the kids I had in my rack for uh, our college prep crew, um, you know, I took down all their numbers and their phone numbers and, I've been in, in contact with them, and, re- and just a couple of days ago, uh, Tate Pearson's brother, who I worked with all summer, asked me to send him. He just feels like he's going to the gym and just kind of doing whatever there and has, like, no actual plan. So he asked me to put together something for him uh, that he can do to train with. So, But the ability to create those uh, personal relationships and, like, a kid like Dean, when he came home for Thanksgiving, he automatically texted me and said, hey, when can I come in and train? So those things, like... And, and and passing those things on to, you know, although we started just us three in terms of like when we really started, you know, kind of taking off and running more groups and athletes, it was just us three. But the ability to pass that on to a guy like Adam, who now has his own athletes and they text him personally and, and be able to create um, that relationship there. I hope that answers your question. Um, is that kind of in long lines is what you're asking me? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Also, too, is just the, 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 t- the let's call it, take it slow approach where a lot of coaches, a lot of parents want to come in and, you know, they want to start tomorrow and they want to be strong next week and they want to be fast in three weeks. Yeah. And training does, we all know that training does not work like that. And from, from where I'm sitting, that's why we have just recently elongated our blocks. Yeah, I mean, I think using – because we put it out in the open. Basically, I mean, basically open enrollment, the way, the way we run that, is literally a uh, almost like a secret way of telling you that this is kind of like our introduction week. So, like, yeah. already the athlete and the parent knows that – okay, my son has to go through these couple weeks here to be acclimated to the training. So they kind of have an idea. So open enrollment is such a huge thing that we use around here. So they kind of have that idea. And and being able to have them to have faith in the process and not just, you know, being able to build a kid. We could talk all day about building a kid and taking him through the process and not allowing him to go too fast too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And being able to what's actually, you know, my opinion, progressive overload is pretty much the number one thing that I use to train everyone, and not only just athletes but in the adults. I mean, you have to have faith in the process and training them optimally and learning them, and then by the end, building them up and telling them, listen, you're going to have your day to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're going to have it. And, We're and, building. And, you know, and parents have to understand, too, is like, you know, that training is another form of physical stress. So uh, I think, I, like, I was speaking to somebody uh, uh, last week, uh, a parent at the front desk, and they were, you know, and they are talking to me about how training, in a sense, the, the way that they were talking to me, like, that, that the training for their son was going to be this magic elixir for their performance, right? And, and that by, oh, well, you know, he's got a game that day. Do you think he can come train at night? Because then the next day he's got he's to throw. And then, you know, and I'm like... 
I'm like, training is a stress. Now, I can make training for recovery. Yeah. I can make training for power output, for strength, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, especially to a kid you know, who's 14, 15 years old, training is another stress. Yeah. And just like any other physical stress, whether it's throw, pitching at a game, you know, playing in a tournament all weekend or having a – how about that, this? The one thing that, you know, parents don't even think of. How about just the fact that kids don't sleep as much as they used to and have a lot more schoolwork, you yeah. know what I mean? So you take all these physical and personal stresses and training and then they just throw tra- – oh, we need to train, so we'll just throw it on top of it. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's like, well, no, like this should be the main focus at some point during the year. And that's another thing that we stress a ton, and that's why I think open enrollment has really changed – you know, the culture of what it's we've done wordage. here. Yeah, yeah. I mean. and, and just like getting parents to understand that, no, that it's going to take minimum of 13 weeks. I mean, it's the blocks are It's going to take minimum yeah. 13 weeks to see some result. Yeah. And it's not going to be overnight. And we talked to parents about, and that's, and it, we've also made it like, you know, and I hate to like make it about paying because we want to help kids, but we've made it so it's, it's a flat fee. It's used it or lose it. And if you don't show up, you don't get there's no makeups, no nothing, and that and that in a sense forces parents and kids to have to make a decision and yeah. say, look, training is every Tuesday and Thursday. You know, can't be missing sessions when they're you know twenty twenty five dollars a pop. Yeah, but like, it also go. allows us to build a relationship. Exactly. And it, there's once the bill has been paid, we know as a staff now that we have them for over three months without having to have that conversation that it's time to pay again, and that's what builds relationships. Is that you could say. Okay, you know, let's just take Kevin Mulligan for example. You know, he's he's paid up till when he goes back to school. Like, if he's not here today, he's gonna get a call at two thirty one. Like, where are you at? You know, and it's not for, because of the money. It's because we need to make sh- we need to ensure that he continues yeah. to we get care. results, we and care. we care. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, care. I mean, Dan. I mean, I mean, using our relationship. I mean, how many times did I call you on the phone, person? Like, where the fuck are you? Why are you late? This, that, and the other, <laughs> right? And like, how many times I pick you up and we went to the field together? I mean, yeah. there were plenty of times when there was no kids and Dan was getting close to. I mean, I remember doing one on one drills against you and Migs in Van Sol Park, getting beat up by two ogres. You know, it pulled the flies, the buffalo flies. With the buffalo flies uh, chasing us down, biting us and stuff like that. And it was like, yo, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure that this kid is ready to play football. I mean, to 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 uh, enhance on what Dan talked about, about taking it slow, I think there is no better example of that in this summer with our college guys. We had one uh, kid who's uh, playing high-level football. He's going to your alma mater, uh, Rhode Island. And Amel, Amel. yeah. And uh, definitely a kid who is a high-level kid and can train really hard and wants to train extremely hard and wants to get after. He's, like, very um, vocal in the training. He's dancing around. He's in it. You know what I mean? So I think the taking it slow process. Now, being able – you have to separate yourself a little bit, which is hard sometimes from a coach and the athlete. So even from my my own personal – as a – I don't want to say I'm an athlete, but as myself – and competing and stuff like that I've always had the almost to get to where I've been able to get to in the last couple of years I kind of almost have the annihilation before stimulation kind of yeah, too yeah. you know so sure. uh, I, I so f- for on the coaching side although I've tried to get a little bit smarter here as I'm getting older and deeper into the sport but um, 
as a, on an on a coaching side, you, you know, you can't take that route and you have to understand to separate the two. So like your athlete part of you can't be like, sure. you know, and this kid was coming off of um, a serious soldier uh, issue and, and injury and surgery. And he, this was a definitely a kid, you know, we have, we break our groups up and our college group in six or seven racks and it usually goes from rack one down. And most of the time rack one and rack two of our, are, are our bigger guys and our guys who can at most of the time move a little bit more weight, mostly like our linemen and our, and uh, our running backs Single and stuff like guys, that. Yeah. Um, so for him, there's no doubt he would have been a, let's say a rack one guy. And, you know, that image of not being the rack one guy was kind of what he had to take a little bit. He had to come down and chain with me and, and, and coach Sean who have some more like the skill guys, like our baseball guys, our hockey guys. And we do change the program up for them individually. Although the, the template is the same, we do change up the movements and the exercises a little bit. And that's kind of what he had to do. So he literally had to come in yeah. and that taking a slow process. The first few weeks was literally just building him and building him back to a foundation. And if we were not smart about that, he was not ready to come right back in and start testing his bench press uh, in week no. two or week three. He wasn't ready to squat. No, I mean, and he couldn't get he under couldn't a squat. Bar, yeah. So starting him, but you know, it but he worked and starting him with a safety bar and then starting him with bamboo pressing and getting his his total, like I guess you'd say his GPP back a little bit yeah. in terms of that. Eventually, towards the end of the summer, he built a fire. And that was one thing that like me and Sean talked to him about. I was like, dude, you know, stay humble, right? You're going to build a fire inside of you the next few weeks. And when it's time to break out, you're going to break out. And, and he did. He killed and it. He broke and out. And, and, he, and, and he was down training with me after about, yeah. I think it was about a month, about a month, month and a half. And I believe he had a success, successful season. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's, I think, and I don't know, Dan, you can tell me, I think taking it slow, that has to be one of the best examples. Yeah, and I'll, say, I'll give, I'll give Amel some props because he's a great kid, and he came in here every day no matter what, and he had a smile on his face, and he was yeah. super cool, and, and awesome. he, took whatever, he took whatever you gave him. And, and took it took it with you know a grain of salt and knew it was part of the process and kept working yeah. hard and by the end of the summer, I mean he was squatting five hundred pounds in rack one with me and he has set himself up now for a summer that could be yeah really a good. big summer yeah for him he's injury now free, he's, he's ready to come back and that was that's that I mean taking that slow process sure to be you know in sure so let's talk a little bit about open enrollment guys and kind of what that means to the culture here and how that's kind of changed. What we do with our athletes and such. So, you know, one, one of the things that we noticed was that, you know, it, it, I wanted to create this streamlined culture, a process, right? So, like, getting people used to joining the gym and signing up for the gym at certain times, getting kids to join together as a group so that we can onboard them together as a group as opposed to just letting them into the middle of a training block any which now we'll still take kids in but now they have to go through some evaluation and private training and stuff like that but like so we create this call to action that we call open enrollment and basically four times a year we start marketing the start of our next training block about you know anywhere between 3 and 4 weeks out right so our next training block begins next week our winter training block and we started marketing that, you know, a few weeks ago and getting kids ready. We know that as kids are finishing football, that those athletes are going to be looking to train and we get everybody on the same page. So we're hitting the email, we're hitting the mark, we're hitting the social media and we're letting them, we're calling all of our athletes and we're getting in contact with kids that we've trained before. And basically what open enrollment is, is, is the opportunity to join our gym 
and, and train in in you know semi-private small groups, right? You know, it, it, with a coach. So whether there's 40 kids in the gym, you know, those 40 kids are going to be broken down into you know six to eight groups of kids. So there'll be much smaller groups. So each group is kind of getting a semi-private instruction. Let's call it anywhere between four and eight kids per coach, and, and so forth. And what open enrollment is is a, a we verbalized the process of how we train our athletes so that parents and athletes could understand what's in our head. So open enrollment, we basically created a step-by-step -step process. Step one, registration. In, in order for us to help your athlete, you have to actually be a client here. And, and obviously, in order to be a client here, you have to pay for services. And then once you pay for services and enroll, right, then we start the process of training. You know, step two education and acclimation, right? We get kids onboarded, we teach them how to train, we teach them our core movements, we teach them our warm-up processes, how to use the machines, how to spot. And that process takes that process takes a couple of years, but we try to cram a lot of it into two weeks to get the kids the basics. In week three, we do our baseline testing, right? And off of that baseline testing, now we do not max kids on that week three baseline testing. That's mostly no. like, you know, uh, performance testing, basic straight could be push-ups, could be some type of strength testing, but it's going to be very relatively maxed, and it's a lot of performance-based But that's stuff. the reason why we, we segregate and individualize. Right. Know, so Exactly. So, like, I mean, now, if I have my high school seniors who've been training with me for a long time, obviously they might do some training. Yeah. But, you know, but coming off of football season, nobody's blasting a no. 400-pound squat day, you know, week three. And, and then we'll train, basically, you know, for – Another six to seven weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll eight week, oh, wait, Well, now it's thirteen weeks. Sorry, yeah. so now it's twelve weeks. And, and like you know, I think and and based off of what block it is, um, I think majority of the time, I think we're going to be looking to the max probably retest them in week twelve. Yeah. Now and um and then come back and have like a fun week thirteen, kind of do some cool different stuff. Yeah, and get kids ready to go. And 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 by by showing by creating like a nice bifold, and we could we could link this to the show notes, Trev, if you make a note of that, and we'll link this to the show notes, but like, you know, the, the open enrollment, it's verbalized. We, we, we put ads out about it. We, we show parents exactly what's going to happen. Kids get graded out in week three. They go home with report cards. They come back. They train. They retest. We base their training off those numbers. Here's what it is, too. I mean, <clears throat> the majority of our listeners are strength coaches yeah, and business owners, owners right? and small business owners. So, what is what is open enrollment? Open enrollment, like Joe had said previously, is a call to action. We deal with a lot of sports performance uh, gyms in the business of strength and the strongest year crew. And I'll use uh, Dustin from Advantage, who runs one of the best uh, one of the best sports performance gyms in the country uh, and definitely in Michigan. Yeah. And he runs his sports performance month after month after month after month until obviously we've just instituted a open enrollment type model at his gym. But the thing is, is when you do that as a coach, you're constantly worried about getting new kids to come to your gym and you never know who the heck you got. For us as a business owner and, and facilitator of our advisory board, I want to make sure that our coaches don't have to always be chasing their tail going, who am I coaching this month? Are we paying our bills this month? Who's not showing up today? I got to get this kid to pay his invoice. No. Yeah. I want our coaches to worry about Coaching. getting <laughs> kick-ass results 
Now it used to be for 10 weeks. Now it's for 13 weeks. And that's number one. And that's the only thing I want them worrying about. And you think about it, for athletes, you might finish the year November 1st, November 15th, December 1st, depending on what the heck's going on. But if you're an athlete, you're like, ah, you know, I might start in a week. Ah, you know what, I'll give it another week. Uh, maybe I'll just start after the holidays. For us, kids know, like, hey, we, we built in a break for our football players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and if you don't sign up in the, next, in the first two weeks, you, gotta, you yeah. A, have to get an eval, you got to pay for privates, you got to train. It's, it's like a just, whole different it's process. It's just a little bit of a sense of urgency to say, hey, this is when we start. You're going to have two, three weeks off, whatever you need, but this is the day we start. And it's a call to action for all of our community, and they rally around it. Some kids might want to start earlier, and we'll literally tell them, guys, just, just hang out, wait, ne- wait till next week, wait for two weeks, let your bodies heal, rest up. We're going to have all off-season to train. But that's the difference is that coaches, if you don't have a call to action, you don't have a definitive date that you're going to get going, you're always going to be chasing athletes. And that's something that we don't want to well, do. Look at, we only do it four times a year. Well, look at college. I mean, you, I mean, you played, I played. It was like, you know, winter, winter training starts on this date. That's it. So, like, you yeah. get, like, you know, that's it. Plus, that four week process is like, yeah. there's not much. If you're looking for like result based, like no, results, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be very hard to cycle kids through monthly processes yeah, exactly. and actually get good results. You know, I'm, and, and obviously, you know, Dustin's a phenomenal coach, and he's definitely, you know, if you live in the greater Michigan area, you got to check out Advantage, you know, Strength and Conditioning, Dustin Branchow, great coach, and a, and a really good dude. And uh, I would say, you know, uh, uh, like I always feel here, we're under-recognized, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dustin Dustin is a really, really good it coach. It could make your life easier, and, though. But like that he, longer, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. For him, life easier. he's trying to – now, every month, i got to worry about billing. Yeah. Now, every month, i got to worry about who's coming. Like, and, and that gives kids the – like, giving kids a month gives parents and kids the out. Just like, from a uh, billing you know standpoint. Like, I, got a, I got Christmas. I got yeah. New Year's. We're going to take a family vacation. 13, yeah. I'm not coming 13 this week. weeks. I got a kid locked in for three months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, imagine if he has 75 athletes, and he has to write invoices to 75 athletes every, every. single month. month. Yeah, that's a hop in the That's, a, that's right. two days of work. Yeah, that's enough for me right to go to open enrollment <laughs> like format right done. there. So, so that, that was something that we created a long time ago. Uh, we did it for years with five 10-week blocks. Well, one, four 10-weeks and one 12-week block. And now we've just done 13, 13, 13, 13, all the way through. And, and I, I really believe that, you know, the verbiage, the literature, the marketing, being able to have a written explanation of what our program is, what the kids do. And that's another thing, too, for all you strong strength entrepreneurs down there. If you want to create an advantage for yourself and you want to create separation between you and your competition, write your shit down. Have good literature. Have explanations of what your program is. Be able to coach your coaches as to what they should say, what the processes are. And and everybody in the gym, that'll take us to the next topic here, guys, is everybody in the gym uses the same verbiage when they're coaching, uses the same verbiage when they're explaining our programs. You know, We even use the same cues half the time. I mean, how many times, like in the summertime, I'll hear Mike down the end Using Coach Joeisms and using, and I'll be down here using Big Mikeisms and stuff like that, and things that have kind of crossed over from you know just you started using yeah, yeah. or I started using and stuff like that, and uh, and 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 it's over. You know, obviously we've been we've coached together in the same room for over a decade, so 
you start to mold into like a similar <laughs> or almost like you know a similar mindset. But that's super important for the product, right? So it's super important that we're all on the same page, that we're all using similar stuff, and and and, and that we're our verbiage is similar. So I mean, I have a meeting scheduled with you and Adam this week, and I just want to sit down and make sure, you know. Are we on the same page? What's the verbiage? What's the plan? What does it all look like? Let's see the templates. Let's make sure the coaches all know what's going on and everybody's up to par. And we even went as far last week at having a meeting with our admin staff to make sure they understand the verbiage, the process, and what we're planning on doing with kids. And Mike basically broke down the entire open enrollment process and the plan for the schedule and everything we were doing with the entire staff so that you know the gang up front I always say the girls up front, but now we have Chris, so I can't say girls up front anymore. So the gang up front, you know, understands the process and and how to verbalize it to a client. They're the first line of defense. When you have a parent, you're a coach. I don't care. This is a private business. Nobody has to train here. It's different. I'm the head coach at Notre Dame. We're recruiting kids from all over the country. You're stuck with me, suckers. You know what I mean? Like, you know, training starts on this date, and I'm uh, I'm your daddy. You know what I mean? Here... You know, if you can't explain it to when a mom walks in here or a dad who doesn't know shit about training walks through the front door and it's like, hey, my, some of my friends, some of my son's friends train here. Can you tell me a little bit about your program? You got to be able to concisely convey the message and sell them the dream of what we're doing here and make sure that they understand it, that, that their son or daughter's in a, in a in a healthy environment, that there's good coaching here, that we're very concerned about their safety and well-being. And you can't sell dreams. You right. know what I mean? You gotta, you yeah, I don't mean it like that, but I, yeah, you know what no, I mean? Like no, sell, sell the, the vision of what but we do. But when you here. talk to it, like you, when you talk about like the open enrollment. Right, I never tell you, a kid like he's going to get a scholarship. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, we got to be talk honesty about like how we actually run a program, what you expect from the kid and stuff like that. You can't, you can't speak BS. No, I've, you know, I, I, know, through I know. open Even through the open enrollment. No that's why question. I'm putting all the literature out there. And when you write stuff down, like Joe just said about if you're a strength coach and you, you're writing stuff down and have good literature, don't sell like false dreams. Right, you, uh, or you know stuff I mean? you can't do. Or like stuff if, you can't do. Like yeah, if exactly. you put in there, like, you know, tissue, soft tissue work and things like that, yeah, you don't, so and you, you can't do you can't it, yeah, yeah, it, don't yeah. do it. Yeah, don't do that. So I also think, like, too, like, we've never, I've never sold kids a pile of shit. I, I've had, I, I can't count how many dads, I mean, we've had a lot of Division One athletes. We've had <laughs> a bunch of pros come through the gym, and I can't tell you how many moms or dads come in here and tell me that their kid's the next, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Eli, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 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 I said, well, why don't we just start by showing up to the gym twice a week? <laughs> you know? And it's like yeah, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky shot some pucks on a regular <laughs> basis and, 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 and did some things over and over and over and over again to Wayne become Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. Didn't he, he skated every day before school. Every yeah. single From day. From when he was like three years old. Yeah, <laughs> every day. Because his older brothers used to beat the crap out of him. So he wanted to be able to beat them in hockey. And that's how he that's became how. such a great like stick handler, like footwork mm. kind of guy you know, that he was known for, right? But um, but again, you know, habits and consistency are what create results. But, you know, you know there are people out there that will sell. So you got to be careful. You know, you, you get a kid and you just because you're trying to make a – a sale. Yeah, you can't yeah, be like, yeah. oh, if he trains this way, he trains this. I'm guaranteeing he'll be <laughs> this. He'll be, you know, you can't sell that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, look, in track and field, right? I, I can let's let's call it in a linear sport like track and field. I can tell parents pretty concisely that look, if if your son or daughter can squat 500 pounds, that 
their their sprint time is going to go way up or their jumping ability is going to go way up, right? But I can't tell a field sport athlete that's a team sport athlete that if 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 you squat 500 pounds that you're going to get a D1 scholarship because there's 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 something called sport processing. You have mental processing. You uh, you just might stink at your sport. <laughs> One or two, you know, I could be I could be an amazing athlete, but my team stinks, and I never get like look at like a guy like Jake Ceresna. Not that their team stinks, but he came from two small schools, didn't get a ton of recognition. This guy's a monster. If anybody from the NFL is listening, this guy's six five, three hundred ten pounds, looking for a contract, baby. Like this guy's an animal, right? And but because he came out of a small high school, because he came went to a small college, he didn't get a lot of big time looks, you know. So and here's a guy who I know. Can play in the NFL, he and I—I I mean, and, and and probably will soon, and uh, and and so, but again, you know, looking at the reality of of team sports, there's a lot of factors involved. Uh, course, it's course, di- it's yeah. different than powerlifting. It's different than track and field. Like you know, hey, look, you know, you if you jump ten feet now, you double your strength. You're probably jump you know eleven or twelve feet. That's probably pretty pretty yeah. consistent, but. You know, but if I, I made Dan as strong as an ox, he was the strongest dude on the team, but couldn't remember his playbook. <laughs> it don't mean nothing, you know. <laughs> you know, it don't mean nothing. So, uh, you know, so open enrollment's been a huge change for us. It's been a giant success. I highly recommend any any strength entrepreneurs out there with a with a with sports performance gyms to kind of look at how you're onboarding clients and creating that culture through verbiage and and recognition of different distinct phases in the training process and how that all lays out on a timeline so people can understand it. Because remember, you're not talking to coaches. You're not talking to other strength coaches. You're talking to moms and dads who are literally, like, you know, sitting on the seat of their pants, on, yeah. you know, living through their kids and wanting to see yeah. their kids' success. And I, I can't reiterate enough. It doesn't matter if you're training just adults or just athletes. If you're training to infinity and it's just like month after month after month and it's just kind of like yeah i'm going to wait around and wait for people to show up it's it's not going to happen you have to invite them you have to give them the who the what the where the when and the fucking why as to why they should come train with you and i if it's one thing that we've done on 30 podcasts <laughs> If it's one thing that you that's take cool. away I'm from on number business, 30. That's, number yeah. 30, that's the only thing that matters. The only thing. You have to invite them. We use this joke all the time. But if Big Mike is like, hey, you know, Dan, you just got a new place. I'd love to come over. And I tell him, sure, <laughs> Meanwhile, stop Dan, by. Dan hasn't invited us anyway. Yeah, over yet. I don't have furniture yet. I think I've been over. <laughs> so, I think I may be yeah, the only you, one that was actually over. You, you've been over. <laughs> no one's been over mine. Is that, uh, yeah, nobody's this been is, This is house. from your father, though. Yeah. This is, so from, this is, this is this from This is him. one of the most famous things Rich yeah. has ever, ever so said. So Rich says, I gotta, I gotta don't tell me. <laughs> that, wait, 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 let open me, door. Let me back it. Yeah, open door policy. He's like, open door policy, you might as well tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you want, just you come know, over. Is is that, that means don't fucking come. Yeah, yeah. It means don't <laughs> ever come. Don't it's way come. different. Because whoever say, takes that up. Like whoever nobody. Takes, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to show up. Hey. I'm here. Here I am. <laughs> you told me I just should show up. You know, no, would be, no would be fucking hilarious <laughs> if one day I just show up at Dan's house with like the baby, the wife. Yeah, the you toy, said, like, you yo, said man, anytime. Anytime. Yeah, I'm but you, I figured you Sunday, actually, 6 o'clock. Yeah, our relationship's different. Could, yeah. I'm <laughs> just going to show up at some random person. That, yo, what's yeah. up, man? Sunday, 5 o'clock. I'm be over there. That's what it is, though. It's that if I put out there, hey, I'm having a party on this day at this time, Yeah, people are going to show up. And those are the people that... Are your are your best friends like 
your best friends aren't just showing the, up the, for no reason. The like. human brain works best with timelines and time constraints. If I tell you, Mike, hey, Mike, do me a favor, man. I need you to do me. I need you to write me a training program. When do you need it by, Joe? Ah, just get it to me whenever. <laughs> it could be six months. Yeah. If I say, Definitely. yo, I, yo I, need it by, I need it by two. I'm leaving at two o'clock on Friday to go to another gym, it and I want to have him done, a template. Yeah, yeah give me – and it's like there's a direct deadline. Are... And people like having a definitive, like, start and stop times and things like that. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of, like, this gives people definitive action steps. Yeah, I'll give you, you know? another example. I'm still waiting for uh, my record cover from Trevor. I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but I started drawing some of it during our last team meeting. Really? Yeah. So that just right. shows how much he was paying laptop. attention to team meeting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trevor got a new laptop that he could draw on, and now he's pretty much checked out of the last I five wanna, team meetings. I want to hang a, 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 v, a V House vinyl in my in my new basement. <laughs> Yo. Really? All right, so let's talk about a couple hot topics here. I want to, you know, again, uh, I'm not I'm not anti CrossFit. I'm not anti Speed School. I'm just I'm just speaking what I see in the industry and being truthful. Where the fuck have all the speed schools gone? Because yeah, I don't see an ad anywhere for speed schools anymore. And and the ones that w- were, they're they're now billing themselves as strength and conditioning performance. And there aren't a lot of really really true sports performance trims left anymore. Like you know, where are they? What happened? What do you think of some of the reasons that some of these you know, well, one of the things from a business standpoint is there's no denying is when you deal with athletes, eventually they're going to time out. Uh, you could have a great relationship with a high school kid and they could have a great high school career and they just, you know, they don't want to continue in college. And then it's your relationship with them as as a as a coach client is over and then you got to go recycle and got to find the next wave of athletes and the next wave of uh, the next wave of a revenue stream. And people have realized that it's really hard to consistently go out and there could be a coaching change. I mean, we've had it. We've been fired by a coach, you know, that just says, hey, like I'm going to go in another direction because they had a bad year. Somebody has to be the scapegoat. If we relied and had all of our eggs in that one basket, it would have sunk our business. Obviously, we have diversified where we train, you know, uh, we train a lot of adults. We train a lot of private clients. We train junior athletes, high school athletes, college athletes, pro athletes. So we've diversified quite a bit. And, and that is a business we've created other revenue news yeah. streams that have nothing to do with the gym. Of yeah. course, of course, we have. But the true traditional sports performance gyms, their bread and butter was High, was and is for the ones that still exist are is high school athletes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you live in a centralized area, let's just say um I don't know, Ridgewood and Ridgewood gets a new high school head coach for the basketball and football team and they want to go to a different place, then what? What do you do then? Not only that, but a lot of these schools now, I mean, you're talking about you know, now new in in our area, there's a lot of older buildings which they don't have a lot of space, but like you know, you look at like Seacock is down with Dave, right? I mean, they just built a gorgeous. Now they have they don't have the equipment outfitted yet, but they built a big training space that could be 
an amazing mm. strength and conditioning center for their athletes inside their gym. And that is the trend. Like when you go out west and you go out to Cali, you go to Bishop Gorman in, 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 in you know, Vegas, you go to other places like you know, Mission Viejo, they have sick yeah. training right. facilities. Look at Bergen Catholic. Bergen Catholic, sick I training. I mean, that's you know? why. I mean, Billy's expressed to us, and we've started doing that. I mean, in season, where are we doing their training? Like we're going to be on site for their training. I mean, yeah. they happen to be one of the best programs in the country, so – you know, we're, we're willing to do whatever it takes. To yeah, you know, I mean, so I, that's kind of been a trend, I think, is like it's very hard to keep athletes. The marketing machine, you you got to be – there's no there's no continuity is what I mean. You know, kids stop playing sports. Every four years you're going to turn over no matter what, right, because kids are either going to leave and go to college or they're going to graduate and, and – and you know maybe they'll go on to play, and you'll be lucky to keep them for a couple more years. But then, like, how many kids go from middle school all stars to not playing sports at all in high school, or fizzle out by sophomore year? You know, all of a sudden there's girls, there's boys, there's parties, there's other fun shit to do, right? And then you know, yeah, I, I mean, I think the if we go back to we talk about CrossFit and speed schools, they may be uh, hand in hand. And what I mean by that is, although in early 2000s speed schools were obviously seem to be a big fad. I think, you know, this the fitness industry is definitely in training. They definitely go in and out of fads, right? So if if most people, uh, if you take most dads, moms, or whoever, they're not in the world of what we're doing, they read muscle health, they read muscle fitness, they read these magazines and these books. And although a couple, maybe early 2000s, you read all the speed schools and specialized speed work and stuff like that is big. And then, you know, with the addition of CrossFit, I say you take take not knocking high school football coaches, but majority of high school football coaches don't really have a great idea of you know training proper strength, proper and, strength and conditioning. So if you take a look at you know you read your next muscle and fitness book in 2010 2011, you start seeing okay, well CrossFit's getting bigger and bigger and getting and, and no we may know that we don't think that CrossFit is the right way to train high school athletes. The idea of CrossFit, but it has it brought a light of weight training, and it brought a different no light doubt. into no it. Doubt. You know, no their power cleaning. Their CrossFit matching. changed the industry. So Jumping now, changed the industry. Now yeah. it's like a new. Yeah. Now you're seeing, and those people who are doing that all looked pretty ripped up and all in pretty good shape. So I mean, this will be funny, and I, 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 maybe, maybe, maybe she'll. I'll have to tell her to listen to this podcast because I'll call her out. But the woman who owns the new coffee shop in town by me, Caffeine, a great little coffee shop in town, right? She's a big CrossFitter, right? And she loves CrossFit, and, and so I'm, you know, but I'm always in there, like, when are you gonna come up for a workout, right? Because she's really nice, and I, I get a lot, her and her husband. You know, whatever they, they, they. I respect them because they're entrepreneurs and they, they took a chance and opened up a business and it's, it ain't easy, right? So, and she's really nice and they treat me well. So I go in there all the time and love their coffee, and I'm like, when are you coming up? When are you coming up? And she's like, well, I love to come. I love to come. I love, so I'm talking about the classes. I'm talking about this. She's like, so, she's like, what? I'll come up any any day. You got power cleans in the way. I was like, well, we don't really do too much yeah. of that. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, no power cleans. She's like, well, not not for our adults. You know, not too much for even our athletes. And she's like, right. what? You know, it's like the culture of CrossFit has created that. And think about like, what oh, well, that's what draws me in. She's like, yeah. I love lifting weights. And think about what a CrossFit gym looks like. Yeah, it's an open warehouse with, with, with barbells, with barbells yeah. and yeah. racks and plates and stuff like that. Yeah. So, looking at that and seeing that now, like, oh, this guy looks like he's in pretty good shape. So now the transition, I think CrossFit yeah. has helped that a little bit. Yeah. Although I don't think it's, you can do CrossFit, that's fine. I just I don't think it's. The I'm not saying there's anything athlete. wrong with training at a CrossFit gym. There are some I have met over in the, in the last decade. 
I have met some really, really great CrossFit coaches yeah. who, but remember, CrossFit as it is, is a sport, right? And, and so Olympic weightlifting is a sport in and of itself. Yeah. CrossFit has changed what Olympic weightlifting was supposed to be and created a timed and repetitious type thing out of it. That, is, that does not fit into developing athletic performance, and that, that, that can injure kids. Really but I quickly. think we can safely say, though, that CrossFit gyms, there's a CrossFit gym in almost every town. Yes. So I think just from coaches seeing that, sure. seeing an open warehouse kind yep. of gym, it took away from the speed schools. A, no a question. So no I question. Then they see a guy like Rich Froning, who just happens to be, again, he's a one percenter. Yeah. He's a total freak of nature. And here's this guy who can run, jump, sprint, lift. He's an animal. You know. Let's also, do CrossFit. With these speed schools, I mean, let's uh, – our business sense, again, the operating expense is massive, mm-hmm. absolutely massive to have – an indoor field that is usually 60 yards long. I mean, right, yeah, it's you got insane. Big deal. I mean, I mean, I know how much ours cost. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and our, I mean, we What's do a good th- job to make our space look, I think, bigger than it might actually be. <laughs> you know, when people, I mean, we have a great space, really nice space, but not like the old classic sports performance. Like yeah, some of those, some some of of those places were yeah. freaking. 30,000, 40,000 square feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like D1 Sports, like that company that's out west and, and, and you know, in the, you know, they're not too far east. They're most, stay, stay out west, D1 Sports. We don't, we don't want you here. But, uh, you know, their facilities, I mean, they, most of them have like 50, 60 yard turfs yeah. inside, you know, they're big. big uh, ours is 70 yards, but not all of it's inside. Obviously, it's big, you know, and it costs a fuck ton of money. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but I think CrossFit is a great modality. It's definitely changed the mindset of strength and conditioning globally. And uh, and created like a, a a more of an acceptance of a I don't want to say just female but like a you know but especially to the moms you know, created more of an acceptance of a of a muscular physio vision it's, yeah, it's what yeah, people yeah. see yeah. yeah exactly and uh, but as far as athletes it it doing what like you can train with a good CrossFit coach who is going to program properly for you and 100%. put a and put you yeah. through a sports performance like I have full confidence that like Ben Bergeron could train a, a high level athlete right because he's a really good coach. He's probably not going to be doing wads and 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 game style of training with them. But if you're an athlete going to a CrossFit gym and just doing the HQ wads, that's probably not the best thing for you. Okay, a um, couple things to finish up here. What are some of the worst things we've seen in the gym, guys? The, like Mike, let's name let's name one like each guy like one thing that's like. Something that stands out that's terrible. Uh, I think one of the worst things I've ever seen is uh, is a group of athletes uh, cleaning with straps. Uh, to the reason why that's probably one of the worst things you could possibly do is because you can't bail out. So if you're gonna miss a lift, I've seen a couple times kids break their wrist because they can't they can't bail out of it, and they're strapped in. They can't complete the actual lift itself, and the and the barbell hangs down too low, and their hands get caught underneath. And yep. And it br- pulls their wrist back or their hand back. It breaks their wrist. I've seen it a few times. Yeah, I mean, we had a great athlete, Gene, who hurt himself very yeah. badly power cleaning, and 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 that was the start of the end of his football career. Yeah, and uh, and, and that was a kid who was had he had just, NFL yeah, potential, he, and he was sure. a full scholarship yeah. kid. So I mean, I mean we I, could talk know. a lot about yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's things, a, that's a, that's know. that's one that I see a shit ton. I mean, a and, lot of my baseball, I've I've you know, I'm not going to name names or colleges, but. I've had several baseball kids um, 
it just seems like I don't I don't know if there's like a, a new thing going on, but it seems like all my baseball kids when they go to college are front squatting a tremendous amount. Yeah, that's a bad idea. And uh, I just don't think that's the best idea for kids who rely heavily on you know the ability to pronate and supernate their wrist the, the consistently when they throw or the rack like position is the same thing as doing a heavy power yeah, clean so it's like and just the amount of stress and torque that puts on the wrist and, and the fingers and the hands yeah. and stuff like that i don't think it's needed you could do a lot of other things but for some yeah. reason but that's what i mean when i go back to where like the crossfit look like if you take a coach uh, and it could be any coach but if you look at it and be like oh and you read an article about you know if you read muscle fitness and stuff like that you know you'll see those little special articles or special write-ups about like the power clean or something right. like that sure, and sure, it's almost sure. like see what every top athlete's been doing or something like that and then it's like oh well my athletes got to be doing we'll it. we'll do but, ten sets of ten power yeah, cleans so I think some of those things and that's why you know right. the importance of individualism uh, being uh, individualized and segregating and and understanding what they need and being able to pick different To me, things. that's just... I, I, let's call a spade a spade, Mike. That's just being a fucking terrible coach. Yeah. I'm sorry. Also, that's a, too, that's like a shitty the, fucking coach. Y- they talk about... I mean, we just had a couple guys back who're talking about the front squat in season. I understand they don't want to have any additional spinal load during the season, but you don't have to do that. It's like... What about a Zercher squat? Zer- Zercher squat's the best. What about a belt squat? What about belt a hex squat. bar deadlift? What about just a heavy sled drag? We could get into an argument about this all day with those But it's monitoring... Coaches. It's monitoring... Yeah. It's monitoring their weight choices so we had a kid from uh that did not the only kid that has never missed one in-season workout for the first time ever in about 10 years i've ever seen was uh, rj rj didn't miss one in-season workout but we monitored his percentage Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i'm like you're doing this and you have to do an in-season you can't do like a hundred different things. It has to be like just do the same thing a couple right. times, change the percentages up a little bit, and monitor that. You you, you can st- we, he squatted and he he hexed dead and stuff, yeah. and it kept him. And he had a great year, but it's just you can't. You have to monitor. It can't be just like oh we're gonna hex dead and just. Right. How about being a lineman? The day after a game and trying to front squat, like your wrists and hands aren't beat up. Like, how you uh, they don't do have good rack position. Dan, what do you think? Is, what's your, right. what's one of the worst things you've ever seen? Seen and and heard about. Let's talk about the excessive running. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, the conditioning. We can spend a whole other episode on that. The yeah. conditioning test that I hear of and was a was part of. Yours was so stupid. Um, <laughs> this is, topic is, alone is uh, is just all day. Is just we just hate on other. <laughs> it's atrocious though. It's not about. That's gonna be our next podcast. It's not hey, about hey, the hey. conditioning. It, if you want to call something a, a mental fortitude test. That's what it should be. That has it has nothing to do with whether or not your athletes are in shape or not. You're seeing people, you know, uh, real sports just did a documentary that makes strength coaches look terrible, makes the whole industry look like we don't know what we're doing. No lineman that weighs 320 pounds should be running 18 110 at three at 320. That's over a mile of sprinting times out in the heat. Of course, there's going to be disorders. Been a lot of. I had to take Jordan Jordan Miller one time a couple years ago when he was testing for for Albany. It was, I believe, twenty forties. I think it was seventeen or twenty. It was a high in the high teens or low twenties. Forties. Forties. What is that for like a left tackle? And he had a. I forgot the time, but it was like a, it was a significant hard time. Maybe like a, a maybe five four or something like that. He had to consistently come under. It was some time they gave me, which I I wasn't. I can't remember quite off the top of my head, but he had to consistently hit that time. So he had a put out a significant amount of output 
each time. It, and I had to put him through it. I had no other choice. And he was like looking at me like with like like a like a like a sad face. I'm like, dude, I can't do nothing about it. I said, you got to do this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you have to. And and, and that you know, okay, I don't want to cut you no, off. No, it's, it's yeah, it's crazy. the 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 running tests that we see. Is, I mean, what about Joker's running test? A goalie, a 32-year-old professional goalie is going to go back to training camp and had to run five 300s. Explain that to me. But that's what I mean by personalization. Uh, we yeah, know yeah. that he's had a torn he's, – he's had hip surgery. Both hips. Three years ago he had hip surgery. There is zero reason why he needs to really be running that. You know, that's why, like, a majority of the training I did with him, he never did any type of, like, real in-and-out butterfly work. He's yeah. going to do that. A hundred thousand times when he yep. plays. So we did everything out of it to help. Yeah. To like treat and it took me all summer to build up, like doing tempo runs, just nice and light and making cuts. And it was like I was very conscious about him making a lot of cuts on his hips to make sure that they didn't yeah. overuse. You know what I mean? It took us all summer to get up to the point where we were running hard. But sometimes you, know? you have to. You're forced a little bit because you had to prepare them for it. I would say the worst thing that I see in a lot of gyms, and this is a little bit more ideological because that's me. I'm, I'm the vision. The vision guy here, but like the, but like the, is not having a really lockdown set of core values that that define who you are, what you stand for, and, and for something for the kids and the parents and even your staff to buy into. I go to so many gyms and I ask them, "What's your core values? What's your mission?" And they can't really concisely tell me what their business and their brand is about. How are how's anybody ever going to buy into that, right? And if you want to create buy-in, you have to have there. You know, you could call it raw, raw bullshit. You can call it, you know, like high, like college football stuff. But like, you know, everybody in the world, you know, knows the sign at Notre Dame. You know what I mean? When you're running out of the tunnel and you play like a champion today, right? That shit sticks with people. Those are the catchphrases that people buy into. Those are the little things. When we tell kids, you know, the day one, we're going to have kids on the floor. And we're going to give them the speech. Hey, in this in this gym, we are hungry, humble, and committed to excellence. Here's what I expect from you. Here's what I expect from our staff. Here's what I expect from us together as a team. We are from this moment on, all of us, athletes and staff, we are a team, and this is our mission. You know, and and being able to clearly speak those things and identify those things, so kids can go home and your ma, check this shirt out. Hungry, humble, and committed. Become unstoppable. Right. Those might sound cliche, but to a high school kid, that shit's important, and to everybody. And you and you guys can attest it to, to a thirty-two-year-old man who's who you know who's a badass strength and conditioning coach. The, our our ag- acknowledgement of our core values, our mission, our vision plan, and what we want to accomplish as a company, has changed our lives. As, as people, you know what I mean? And those things have flowed over to the athletic floor, too. And that's and the reason why we see kids who train with us. You talked about a, a guy like Tommy Kramer. Who started back. with you at a 11, 12 years old, and here he is training, you know, in our adult uh, yep. our adult group the other night. You know? Right, so 26, 28, 27 years like old, that, something yeah. like that. So you know I mean, what I mean? So, about, you know, 10, so that, those things are right. extremely Yeah, he, I mean, he was, he was literally like a day one kid, 2006. So, you know, 12 years later, he's back and wanting to yeah. train and still, still going at it. So that's kind of our take on things, gang. I, I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the future of athletic youth, uh, youth athletic development, but maybe we'll save that for another episode. We should uh, talk about the uh, conditioning tests and the future of youth athletic development next Tuesday. I mean, we could do that. I mean, sure, because because I could rag on I could rag on bad coaching all day. <laughs> 
And uh, but I want to thank Big Mike for being here with us today. Thanks, guys. Thanks uh, for having me. You got Appreciate it, man. You know, uh, for those of you who don't know, just give Big Mike a shout out. Uh, uh, Big Mike is competing next week, uh, next weekend Sweet. at uh, World Strongest Man. Uh, uh, tell Mike where where can people watch in and tune into that if they want to check you out and check out the competition? Yeah, so it's um, it's going to be I believe stream live on the official Strongman Games. .com. So if you go to officialstrongmangames.com, I believe it's going to be stream live. And where, where is that going to be and, and what days and times? It's is at it? uh, Dorton Arena in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. It is The first event is December 7th. It's uh, Day one is a Friday. And then uh, it's the 7th, I believe, 7th to the 9th. So it's a three-day three uh, three show. You so ready to go, big guy? Yeah. I'm going to give it a run and, and fade the black and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Thank Gang, thanks, thanks so much guys. for being with us, everybody. Peace that's out. the business of strength. The business of strength powered by Varsity House Gym. Turn your passion into your profession and learn how to run a world-class business. Be sure to visit us at www.strengthentrepreneurs.com to learn more. And as always, at varsityhousegym.com. Become unstoppable.